You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to another Thursday edition of Huddle Up. Football podcast. A football podcast. A football podcast. Always on a Thursday. Always with Corey and Daniel. I say always with Corey and Daniel. And always on a Thursday, but we didn't do last Thursday. It was kind of like a dad day. I didn't, I'm not a dad, but both of you are, and both of you had shit going on. So we took a dad day. Dad day. Which is, I think, okay. I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't want to get burnt out early in the season. And now it works out perfect with the draft coming up. We're going to talk about tight ends today. We've got running backs and wide receivers coming up next. And then I think the, will it be the week before the draft we're doing the quarterbacks or is that like the night of the draft? The week before we'll do the quarterbacks and the night before the draft, we'll do our annual mock draft. All right. It's here guys. It's the most Hey, this is the meat, meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes, right, potatoes here. right here. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. exciting, Asters though. Is like a week or so from now. First of all, potatoes. wild uh, college basketball tournament. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. I but... stopped paying attention. Okay. Did you really? Well, yeah. Just an absolute okay. cluster bust of uh, different teams. Some bad basketball, some good basketball. Yeah, a lot of fun. Love seeing the low seeds up there. Um, we got the Masters here in a couple weeks. We got the draft, the Final Fours this weekend. Lots of good stuff on the telly. And hey, I don't know. Have you guys seen the uh, Washington Defenders and the XFL? Um, seen, no. I, like, so they play in a soccer stadium, and it's sweet. Like all the seats are like right there, and they're like super vertical. Like it's a full blown stadium, but it's just like twenty thousand seats. And then every game they do a beer snake all the way up the end zone and oh, it's wow. gigantic and they get after it. It's awesome. Like a Wrigley Field beer snake. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. They get after it. That's worth going. Oh, I would love snake. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would love to be there. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um Washington Washington Commanders, I think there's gonna be a bid. Did you guys see that? Canadian there's two bids two, now. Six, two six billion dollar bids have been submitted. Wow. Well, good for the NFL. That'll be good for everybody. That'll yeah. be good for everybody. Okay. Anything else this week we want to talk about? Or just jump right in? Uh, you, before the show, you mentioned Lamar, so they didn't have a team. Yeah, Lamar still needs an agent. Yeah. Um, guys, I, I don't think... Um, Man, I, this sounds. I, I think I, I feel crazy saying it, but I don't think Lamar's going to be playing for any team that's not Baltimore. I don't know if he's going to play at all. Like, I don't see somebody giving him two hundred million guaranteed money. I mean, I can see that he doesn't like playing football. He sat out for the playoffs when he could have played, or at least showed up. So, my God, do you see? It was all over today. Him responding to that. Yeah, and then did you see what? Did Deion Sanders tweet him back? Deion. And it was like, yeah, dude, just shut up and like do your he, shit, bro. He's on his side. He's just like, don't don't respond to the fools. They'll always yeah. be fools and Which blah, is, blah, blah. 
a smart thing to say to him. Like, there's no reason to respond. Yeah. If you didn't see what Corey was talking about, Lamar put out a tweet today in response to somebody saying that he sat out in the postseason. Lamar's response was that he was hurt, that he wasn't 100%, and he wasn't putting the team in a better spot anyway. I believe that he believed that was true. Well, he said the week before when he traveled with the team, his leg, like, really flared up, and he had issues. And so they all talked about it with the doctors and said he shouldn't travel. I think going into potentially your last playoff run before a con- major contract negotiation, it's not a very good, like, so we go back to the agent. So he was either hurt or he's getting bad advice. It would be horrifically fucking stupid to not play those games to try to win. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to negotiate a contract, go go try to win a Super Bowl. Make a make a playoff push. We talked about Jared Goff before the show. You know, we talked about how, uh, before the show, we talked about how the top 10 quarterbacks in guaranteed money, only two of those players' teams made it to the playoffs. Jared Goff is a perfect example of a guy who won on a rookie contract and then got paid. Like, like he just didn't even win the Super Bowl. He just went to the yeah. Super Bowl. And the man got fucking paid. So I don't think that Lamar sat out out of some kind of disgruntled man or whatever. Disgruntlement's not a word, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I think he believed he was hurt. I think he believed he shouldn't be playing. I have to take him for his word for that because it would be so fucking stupid otherwise. Uh, but either way, I don't see it happening, guys. Um, people are talking about the Colts as really serious contenders. They're the favorites in Vegas right now at, like, plus 250. Yeah. But for the money and the draft picks, man, I just... I think I think for the Colts to be involved, something catastrophic would have to happen in the draft. Like, I think, I think, I know it's nobody likes to hear it, but I think you got to trust Ballard and what he's doing. But like, if they're if they absolutely have no options, and even if they want Lamar, it's not gonna happen until after the draft, just because of the pick situation. And I think I think if the, the Colts heart- wait till after the draft, they don't get the trade done because they don't have the picks anymore. No, it does. No, yeah, yeah, it yeah. has so, to be done before the draft. No, no, no. There's a, there's a deadline. So the way it works is if they ma- if they give them an offer sheet and the Ravens don't match, they get to sign them, but they have to send the Ravens their two most recent first-round picks. If you do it after the draft, you'd send 24 and 25. If you do it before the draft, you send 23 and 24. So you can do there's it a after deadline, the draft. Though. Yeah, there's I don't know a deadline, though. deadline to, to sign that offer sheet, and I think it's before the draft. Really? We need to look I, that up. I, yeah, don't vet me on that, but I thought there was a dead. The biggest issue with all this, with Lamar not having an agent, whenever he's going in and asking for these contracts, looks like Daniel froze again. Um, like, typically, you'd have your agent go in and be like, hey, this is where my guy wants to be. And they're going to be like, well, man, he didn't play the last quarter of the season. You know, we, you know, and they're going to talk shit about the player to bring his value down a little bit. Well, Lamar doesn't have that barrier. He's just going in, and he has to hear it from the teams himself, which I think is going to lead to him like having trouble getting stuff done and building relationships. And it's probably why he's on Twitter right now, you know, saying stuff because he's he has to hear it all himself instead of an agent hearing it and then kind of conveying it to him, but in a watered-down form. So I think that's a big factor in all Huge this. Huge factor. I think the next favorite odds were the Patriots. They've kind of come out and said that they're really not going that direction. Yeah, they're out. Arthur Blank was a heavy contender for Deshaun Watson. He came out recently saying what what I think we all agreed with just a couple weeks ago was that the injury concerns late in the season for Lamar are a deal killer for Arthur Blank uh, because what good is it to pay the money if he may not be available when it's most important? 
Those weren't his words. Those were my words. But he said that those games are very important. Every game counts. So he said something like he, he's missed what four or five games in yeah, the five, last six two years. Games, yeah. 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 And then, then we come into a situation where a team who has a late enough to pick to be able to justify, to be able to justify sending the picks and send, spend the money makes the offer. Then the Ravens match the offer. Lamar doesn't have to sign that offer. So that leads us back to where we are today. Where I don't know. At this point, if you if you ask me to bet, I'm like 60-40 that Lamar's not playing at all. I mean, I can see it. Like I, it just kind of happened today. Today, I just looked up and realized, well, shit, we've made no fucking progress here. I'm saying, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very high on Lamar. I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the beginning of his. We'll see. This is not about Lamar Jackson. Today's about tight ends. Um, we don't have a lot of structure on the way we're going to do these tight ends. We're more structured for running backs and wide receivers. We're going to do five, five tight ends today. Daniel and Corey will lead this section. Uh, let's not... Do you want to do them in order? We should have talked about these rules before we start. We'll, go, we'll just go from five to one. Five to one. Yeah, we did it two, two seasons ago. Yeah, and okay. I think, and basically, like, if... If Daniel lists somebody that's higher at my list, I'll just give my input and tell say where it's at so I, so we don't go over the same person twice. I love it. Perfect. There you have it. Corey, you can go first. Do you want to hear, Daniel, why don't you just give a breakdown on the class real quick? Because I know last week you were saying how deep it was and everything. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was, but um, I'm going to quote someone that this is the deepest tight end class we've seen in over 10 years. Um, just the talent level, like last year when we did a, we, we barely had a tight end show because it was such a joke. Um, you know, the talent that was coming into the league, but there ended up being some guys that got drafted super late that made some splashes. But this year, uh, don't be surprised if tight end is one of those positions that by the end of the first round, you see maybe three guys, you know, in the tight end room, I can see, I can see the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming we're all going to mention the same top five to six guys. I could see all of them being taken by round three. So it, it's a really strong um, athletic tight end class. That's uh, unlike anything we've seen in a while, really deep. Okay. I, I completely agree with that. I think, I think you said there's a drop off at six. I kind of, when I got to my sixth guy, I thought there's, there's a bigger drop off from five to six. Um, I'll just get into my number five. My number five is Darnell Washington. He's out of Georgia. He's six foot seven. He's two sixty four. He's a freaking horse. He's a moose. Monster. Uh, dude moves people. He gets downfield. There, there were a couple spots on the film where I saw him get downfield, and it got his running back another ten yards. Just big plays downfield. He's always looking for another guy to hit. Um, and I'm probably going to come back to this quite a bit. And I don't know how much. You watch on the film, but uh, Daniel, but whenever I watch for tight ends, I want to see if they can block or not. And, you know, to like a fantasy person, I don't care if he can block or not. Can you catch the ball? Well, the only way he gets on the field is if he can do the other thing as well. <laughs> right. So if your guy can't block, then he's just a wide receiver. And if he can't make his waves in the wide receiver room, then he's not going to see the field. So, and typically that's going to be the case because the tight end is going to be slower and, 
You know, they're not going to have those crisp breaks in the route. So it's a big deal if you can block. And Darnell Washington's the best person here in that department. And that's why, you know, for me, like he should be like two or three on the list, but that's just how good this class is. Um, he doesn't catch a lot of balls. I think his best game this year was five receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. So he's going to be a little more raw on the receiving side, which I think is fine because it, with what he can do already in the running game, like you can get him on the field, you can get him involved. If, if you, if this guy goes to a team that's got a creative offense, they're going to instantly find wrinkles for him. And just over time, he's going to become a better wide receiver with, you know, better receiver coaches in the NFL. He's going to learn new tricks. You know, he's going to have a tight end on the roster be like, Hey dude, whenever this happens, do this and you'll, you'll be wide open. So he's going to find opportunities just by alone being such a good blocker. And like I said, this, this class is so deep. I considered putting him at two, but I just, the way I, my list kind of shook out and, you know, there's some guys on here that are a little better at receiving, but not as good as at blocking, maybe more well-rounded, but this guy's the best blocker. And he, I think he can start day one as a pure NFL tight end. He's got that just big body. I mean, he's basically another lineman out there. I read, um, he has the second largest hands and the largest wingspan ever recorded at the NFL combine for a tight end man is athletic. Like he is physically freaky. Yeah. That wingspan is going to help him. That's going to help him catch balls. He's going to have a big, and he's the tallest out of all these guys. So big target, big target. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's number three on my list. I'll just tell you, I mean, it, like you said, it, he could easily, you know, have made his way up there. But um, Darnell Washington is the biggest wild card of the draft is in the tight ends because somebody could see his potential and take him super high, like what you're talking about. Or they could be looking at like the raw athleticism and not proven, you know, with production and he may drop a little bit. He, he is a complete wild card, but I, I tend to look at the positives, but I don't know if you mentioned uh, the six, seven, two seventy. Yeah. And the guy is an absolute behemoth, but he was also a five-star recruit um, coming out of high school. He played defensive end as well as tight end, but also averaged a double, double in basketball. So the guy's just an athletic freak um, when it comes to just body, you know, taking care of his body and knowing how to use it. Um, like you said, great blocker. He's super hard to bring down. A lot of the, the film that I saw when he was getting targets, he caught the ball. It, it was like the defender looked at him as like, oh, God. It's like tackling Derrick Henry. Yeah. Like, here we freaking go. But, um, yeah, it sucks that he shared the tight end room with the best tight end in the nation that's not even on this list because he was a sophomore. That's He's incredible. already the best tight end next year that everyone is touting as like the best prospect that they've seen, you know, since Kyle Pitts um, and Brock Bowers. So there's always going to be that, you know, when he shares a room with that of like the lack of production, but also Georgia, they were just a ground and pound, like run the ball. And they, they wanted to use him in the red zone. Um, yeah. And it's a shame because on a lot of his film, he's doing like go routes and beating safeties and like doing <laughs> mossing DBs like they they really missed out on their offensive capability, but they won. They won it all again back to back. So you know you can't really doubt them for their uh, um, you know for their game planning. But yeah, his, his lack of production may 
may turn off some teams because he he hardly did anything on the stat sheet. It's not pretty at all. But all you got to do is flip on the game film, and you're, he, the guy stands out. So. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will say, like you brought up the basketball reference, like. Colts brought in Moali Cox, like just, you know, you're kind of taking a guy in for his size. Uh, Moali Cox wasn't nearly as proven as this guy is on the field and in the run game. Uh, One of my knocks on him, and I think one of the reasons I dropped him is when he runs, he like, he looks a little clunky sometimes, like maybe a little less athletic, but. Corey, he's a baby elephant. I mean, he really is. He's a we're talking man. about a man. We're talking about a man that's essentially a human hippopotamus. Yeah, I mean, he'll figure it out. And once he gets to the NFL, his uniform's going to look a little cleaner and crisper, and that could have been an issue, too. You know, he's going to have better gear on. You think my, you my think Georgia didn't have him. the right gear? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, not for the second tight end on the roster. <laughs> my, my pro comp for him is, a, uh, is Mercedes Lewis Plus. It was yeah. hard to find anyone that's wow. near his, his size, but... Um, you know, a guy that's used a lot in the red zone also, but has the capability of doing other things. But like you said, Corey, if he gets on the right offense, he'll be used a lot better than Mercedes Lewis was throughout his career. But um, that was my best pro comp that I could come up with. Awesome. I love it. Daniel, what's your fifth? Corey just did his fifth. Yeah, so my fifth, remember I was telling you it's a tie between two, so I'm going to just kind of not really go on and on and on and talk about these two guys forever, but... I'll just tell you um, who it's a tie between uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa and Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State are my two guys that are tied uh, tied at fifth. They they're very similar in size. You know, the prototypical size for a tight end I think is like six five two fifty. Um, so they're both really really similar in builds. They're both very athletic. Uh, very good body control. Um, heck, Sam Laporta played DB um, in high school, but they both have very good hands, um, both strong runners. Sam Laporta is a great blocker. Um, Tucker Craft, he reminded me a lot of who he took over for, which is Dallas Goddard at the, at the same school. Um, but also you kind of have to chalk it up to who's he playing kind of thing. There was that competition you know, note in there of like, yeah, who does South Dakota State actually play? Like, you know, we have that with the Trey Lance and, you know, Dallas Goddard. How good are they really? Um, but, yeah, the blocking was a little bit of an issue with Tucker Craft from what I saw in game film. But um, I, I think Sam Laporta kind of takes the edge here and maybe Tucker Craft maybe is kind of edging more towards the honorable mention. But I think Tucker Craft could be, like I said, a late second round pick. He's so good still. Um Lack of production with Sam Laporta. He only has five career touchdowns. So we're kind of mentioning that with Darnell Washington. It's kind of a theme there, but um, you could just tell. And Iowa is a tight end factory um, because it just seems like they they know how to coach up tight ends to be NFL ready. So, um, you know, if anyone would get the nod and you're looking at the schools they're going to, there's not a better one than Iowa. Um, and so my, my, my pro comps for Sam Laporta um, is Hayden Hurst really, really good in college, but could be just an average to okay uh, tight end in the NFL. And then my pro comp for uh, Tucker craft is kind of like a um, kind of like a poor man's Hunter Henry, just a solid player um, when he needs to be and can be targeted and be a part of the offense, but is not going to dominate a game by any means. But those, those two guys are, are solid players. 
Uh, Tucker Craft was my number four. Craft came in at 6'5", 254 at the Combine. Uh, I wrote down Tucker Craft Kraft as a solid blocker, so I think I may saw a little bit different than you, but I also knocked him because he is playing lower-level competition. I think probably Tucker Craft probably had the one of the most well-rounded films that I watched, but I've got to bring him down the list just because he is playing – is it D2? Is that the name that – is it D2 schools? Yeah, it's D2. Yeah, D2. Um, at, is it South Dakota State? Yep. Which is where Dallas Goddard came from. So, it's like, as soon as you said Dallas Goddard, I was like, yeah, he kind of reminds me of that. But on the field, I mean, he looks tall. He gets out there. He, he can block. Uh, he opens holes for his runners. So, I, I was impressed with, with the, uh, the blocking a little bit. Um, and I like the way he got downfield and spread the field. Uh, he's got some speed. Uh, but at the end of the day, he is playing against low level competition, really good, well-rounded film. Uh, but I still put him at four and then Sam Laporta, six, three, two forty five, one of the shorter guys on this list. Uh, one of my notes is still big dude. Sam Laporta is a big dude. He's like a, like a fullback running around out there, which kind of gives me like, even though he's three inches shorter than Robin. Rob Gronkowski, he gives me Rob Gronkowski vibes. I put, wears tight end swag, armbands, elbow sleeve, and he's got like the tight end face mask. And then I also put Iowa's QB sucks. I was watching this film and it was, it wasn't actually film with Sam Laporta. It was of their fucking quarterback getting sacked every other play. And then just throwing the ball into like a linebacker's hands for no reason. Uh, but Sam Laporta gets open. I, th- I thought he was savvy in the open field. He's got a really good stiff arm. He's kind of slippery. He's not fast. He's not breaking anybody's ankles, but he, you know, kind of like Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey isn't out there burning anybody, but he knows how to like create space and get the extra yardage. And then I've just got him down as a serviceable blocker. Um, so yeah, I got Laporta at three Tucker craft at four. Oh, Laporta was at three for you. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Wow. It, I mean, I didn't mean to blow up your list here. Yeah, you blew it up. Uh, <laughs> for Laporta, he may have gotten boosted a little bit by like the armbands and shit. I mean, he just looked yeah. like a tight end out there. And did you see him at the combine? Tony, you were there on tight end day, right? We were there. Now, I will say, by the time that the tight ends came marching out, we, had, we were several tall boys in. Um, Oh, man, yeah. that would have been the highlight of my day yeah, right yeah. there. No, I know. We were there for the quarterbacks. We didn't expect to be there long enough to see the tight ends, and then we looked up and we're like, oh, shit, tight ends are here. Um, to be honest, I don't remember a whole lot. I don't think we stayed long after the tight ends showed up. I think it was time to go home, so I missed that. Laporta had a good outing at the at the combine. It definitely helped his, his stock, for sure. Yeah, he was super uh, athletic. number three in the 40 at 459, which is – you know, big wide receiver speed. Yeah. Um, so you can, you definitely can turn it up out there. I think I like craft a little bit better. Uh, is that what you said too, Corey? I think we, we all, Oh no. Uh, so Daniel liked craft a little better than Laporta. Uh, no, I, f- I feel like I like Laporta a little bit better than craft. I agree. I agree. Laporta a little bit better than craft. Okay. So one thing that I noticed about craft, that's a little bit different than some of these other guys, maybe not all of them, uh, but so far is craft spent, about half of his time lined up in the slot. I don't know if that's going to translate well or not against NFL quality defensive backs. Uh, he's, Again, he's got yeah, the size. You don't know if that was just their team. It's some you in, know? But it's increased reps. Okay. As, and with 
factor. If you're looking for the next, I guess, okay, let me slow down. couple of thoughts. The fantasy football person wants to see a tight end that's going to catch up. They want Gronkowski's. They want Kelsey's, right? They want... They want Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Don't, don't ever block. <laughs> Line up in the slot and run every play. The reality is... Uh, NFL owners and general managers and coaches aren't necessarily always looking for that kind of weapon. I, I, I don't know if, if Kraft's increased receptions are a good thing or a bad thing. I'm going to rate them higher because that makes me more excited. Uh, so I guess I would put Kraft above Laporte because I know that he's got more, to, more time catching the ball. He's going to be more comfortable with it coming right at his face. Uh, he's got the body to be able to compete. And he understands routes. He's got an edge there uh, in, in route running. Uh, that's interesting to me. Now, if he can be as good a run blocker at the pro level as he was in college, we've got ourselves a, we got ourselves a home run here. That's, we, I think there's, there's a chance that Kraft is like the underdog here that nobody's paying attention to right now that, that just explodes. Like he, to me, he's the guy that's the lottery ticket. And it's either sure. going to be... You're either going to win a million bucks or you're going to lose $5. Like, it's not going to bankrupt you. Like, he's a day three guy. Um, you think a day three guy is that oh, fair? Day two. Day two, you think? Day two. Okay. Second or second and third round are both day two. You're right. I apologize. He's a day two I, guy. I bet you he's a third, early third round pick. Okay. I was thinking third round. That's why I said day three. You're right. So yeah. He's a day two guy. Okay. We're good there. He went, uh, He and this is something of note, too, that I wrote down. Um, as a sophomore, he caught 65 passes for 773 yards and six touchdowns. That's better stats uh, touchdown wise than Laporta had in his entire career. Oh my God. And Tucker Kraft was doing that as a sophomore. So as far as the experience, Tony, of what you're mentioning, and again, you know, as far as like playing, playing to the competition, at least something I like to look at is at least he was clearly the best player on the field. It was kind of like when everyone was analyzing Trey Lance. They're like, Matters. yeah, but look who he's playing. And you're like, yeah, but he is absolutely dominating these kids. Yeah, <laughs> that matters. Them. <laughs> absolutely matters. Like, are you are you playing like you're better than who you're playing? And he, he definitely did. You got a four, Daniel. Uh, at four, you're going to love this, Corey. At four, I have Luke Musgrave. Was he like twentieth on your list? He was sixth. Yeah, I just, I, I'll just get. He, I didn't see him. He, he couldn't make a block to save his life. He looked decent in the receiving game. He's a big, long guy. He, he seemed quick, but I just, I, I think he's gonna have trouble seeing the field early in his career. That's my big issue with him. He needs Which, to get stronger. Yeah. Uh, um. He. He is. He is the epitome of like what Tony was just talking about. Luke Musgrave could be the Evan Ingram of this draft to where a team drafts him with no intention of having him block because he plays and looks like a big wide receiver, which could be a good and bad thing. Like with tight end, it could be a very bad thing. It's like, you know, if you don't have a team that's devoted to just not letting your tight ends block and just run, um, it could be very good because he is super athletic. I mean, uh, it's really a shame that he got hurt because, uh, you know, I was watching game film of last year, which he only played in two games, but that first game, 
he was like he was the quarterback's first read every single play. He dominated. I, I can't remember. It was a blue team. God, Duke maybe or something. But um, no, it was Boise State. Boise State. Watch that game film. It's him every single time. Uh, he probably got targeted double-digit times, but he played defensive end, wide receiver, and tight end in high school, but also played lacrosse. He was a skier, like competitive skiing. He was a track athlete. Like The dude is a good athletic player. It's just if a team wants him to be a complete tight end, he may not be, he may not be all the way there. Um, but he also, has, he also has pedigree because he has relatives that have played in the NFL. Um, his uncle is currently the offensive coordinator in Denver and also played quarterback in the NFL and in Oregon. But, um, yeah, limited production due to, due to injury. But everyone was buzzing when he made it back just in time for the combine and worked out and looked pretty good for someone who hadn't played all year. <laughs> so, um, but like you said, needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, Needs to get better at blocking, but I, I my pro comp uh, for him was Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox is a little bit better at blocking. That's not a bad comp. Yeah, Dawson Knox can make that like one-handed grab and then get flipped over and hold on to the ball. And like you, you see those kind of highlight reel plays from Luke Musgrave early on. Um, he's definitely capable and has the athletic ability, uh, but Dawson Knox is my pro comp on that. Um, who's your number three? His number three was, was Darnell. Washington. Yeah. So okay. we're down to one and two for both of you. Just to, just to make sure I'm, I'm keeping track here, Corey, you had Musgrave as six, you said? Yes, sir. Good. So, so far we've, we've ranked, we've each had four players and all four of them three. are, no, we've, we've oh, had four. Yeah, four. yeah. It was yep. going to be three, but it became four and it's a consensus. They're not in the same order. Top six. Yeah. We but now six. it's become yeah. top six. Yeah. Which I, I think is fine. I think that's okay. Yeah. Unless because there's six there's six best tight ends in this in this draft, number seven could creep, but this is this is who it is. Like there's I, a there's if talent level falls off a cliff, I think I'm excited to hear which one of you has Payne Durham as number two. I'm looking forward to that. My black and gold boiler up motherfucker. Who's willing to take the shot first? You really so I just just to be clear. You had the balls to come out and start bragging about boilers right now. Just, just to be clear. You, you guys are it. all still hiding in a dungeon right you now. Did, you didn't want to give it like two years so everybody can forget? Uh, Tony, I've got one word for you. Undrafted. Not undrafted. Stop. You knock it off right now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. No. Right. No. No, Corey, I've I feel like I've gone like two or three times in a row. Yeah, yeah. so you're up. You, you can do number right. two. <clears throat> number two, I was kind of hoping this like wasn't the order I'd go. I'm curious to see what you, what your top two are. We they're going to be the same players. I, uh, I, num- yeah, number I don't know two about the same order though. I know that's what I'm curious about. Uh, I've got Dalton Kincaid at number two. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, six four, two forty. Um, do you want me to spoil it for you right now? Since no, you just, no, no. It? just wait, just wait. Okay, all right. Don Kincaid is an absolute weapon as a wide receiver. Uh, he gets the ball. He can make plays. He's fast. I mean, if if an offense wants a guy that 
you know, just, just a tool that they can use as like a sweeper or, a, you know, that shovel pass, just somebody who can be a weapon. They can run routes. Don can cage your guy. Um, the, I think the only reason he didn't make number one is just because of what he does in the blocking game. Like I said, I'd be bringing this up a lot. Uh, but what I will say is he doesn't block a lot. But when he does, he goes hard. He gets out there. He's looking to hit somebody, and he will. Like he's got the speed to get downfield and make that extra block that you know wins games. Where you know the running backs turning the corner, and there's just one guy to beat, and he can get out there and take him out and get an extra 10, 15 yards, get the get the first down, like. And he's trying to do that. He, he'll he go out and hit somebody. Like, I can tell he's got a high motor, which is good. He may not be the best blocker, but I can tell he wants to block. And that alone, like, he's gonna, he should be able to find a place. And just because of what he can do in the receiving game, if as long as he's used right, you know, sometimes it's tough with these tight ends, finding a role for him and, you know, getting them integrated. But... He should be a weapon in the NFL at the next level. I like, I do like Dalton Kincaid a lot. I'll be honest. When I started watching the film and he was just catching balls, he wasn't on the inside. But I dug a little deeper and I went back, and he does try in the running game. He gets after it. Um, I've got Dalton Kincaid at two. Is he at the combine? I want to see his combine numbers. I think he was the one that I, yeah, he wasn't at the combine. You know why he wasn't at the combine? No, I don't. Okay. Dalton Kincaid Um, was a wide receiver that converted to tight end. I don't remember when, mm -hmm. but his original role was a wide receiver role. Um, And I wonder, you know, when I I see the pros and cons here, uh, all of the pros for Kincaid are as a receiver. He's a huge receiver. 6'4", 240 pounds. He's a senior, so he played all four years. Did he play? He played all four years. I guess I don't, didn't look at that. I, I, I'm going to say he did, and I'm going to say it with confidence, and that will make it correct. But, but uh, everything that I see as a, as far as receivers go, receiver ability is like through the roof with this guy. And so I'm trying to think. I'm curious to hear what Daniel's comp is for him. Because we talked about Evan Ingram. This guy looks and smells and feels like an Evan Ingram. Like, he possesses the skills of a wide receiver in a big man's body. Where did, did you have Dalton Kincaid as your second also? No. One. Wow. I had him over Michael Mayer. Wow. Oh, dude. Okay. You're a sick human being. Sick. I know. Well, spill it. Dude. He, he excites me more than Michael yeah, he Mayer. He is exciting. He is exciting. Michael, uh, so I'll say this. I will not be surprised in the slightest if Michael Mayer gets chosen first in the NFL draft. He should because he, he's, the, he's the prototypical tight end, like what we've been talking about. He doesn't have a weakness and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Dalton Kincaid is just – if the right team drafts him, he could be he could be a great tight end. He so as a sophomore, he had 835 receiving yards and eight touchdowns, and he led all tight ends in yards per catch as a sophomore. So this kid like broke out early. Um, 35 touchdowns in four years. Production profile is there. Um, against number seven ranked USC 
<clears throat> he had 16 catches for 234 yards and a touchdown. So he has the ability to take over a game. And great route runner, great hands. I have noted here, competitive blocker. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I'll say. Competitive, okay, <laughs> like, I like that. He comes around and he's like getting ready for a block. He's, he's ready he's to like, just kill that guy. Like, I'm going to fuck somebody. He's up. ready to block. And then I don't know how, if he gets run over. Go. Yeah. <laughs> He's if he gets run right over, now. he's like George Kittle. He's like, I'll remember that. I'll <laughs> yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah. But my knock on him is that he's 23 years old. He redshirted because of COVID. He had an extra technical extra year. Um, so he should have gone out when he was 22, and he probably he would have. But um, he's 23 years old. So that's, that's kind of old. Like Kyle Pitts is still younger than Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> that's insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, he started playing football in 2017. Thought that was interesting. That is pretty late in life. Um, so you could look at that in two different ways, experience versus wear and tear. Um, but yeah, Dalton Kincaid, it, it, all you got to do is just flip on the tape. He is, he is super exciting. Other than the like total unknown raw athleticism of Darnell Washington. Dalton Kincaid excites me more than any of these tight ends. Um, yeah, I, I, I just like him a lot. Uh, my pro comp for him, actually, I, I, I didn't get as creative with this one, unfortunately. My pro comp was Greg Dulcich because I was trying to find someone more recent um, that came out and just kind of splashed his, his rookie year, which I think Kincaid has the ability to do. But if you look at all these... Um, Mock drafts, you know, they have the Packers taking them, the Bengals taking them. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you know, assuming Aaron Rodgers is with the Packers, which he probably won't be. But could you imagine Dalton Kincaid on Cincinnati? Oh, my God. That'd be nice. Yeah, just a team like that that just they've all they really need is a, is a tight end. What about Dalton Kincaid replacing another Dalton in Dallas? Another great spot. Sense. Yeah. Imagine Michael Mayer. On the Bengals. I was about to say the same thing. Just take it imagine, and run. Just run, Corey. Let's, let's transition this to Michael Mayer. You, you go ahead. Since he's your number one and he's my number two, you, you can take this one too. Go ahead. So like you said, Michael Mayer does it all. He can block. He's big. But my biggest thing on Michael Mayer is he is an absolute one-on-one nightmare. If Michael Mayer's in one-on-one with an NFL cornerback, linebacker, you're going to him. Like one one of the plays that just sticks out for me on the film, I don't even know who's against. It might have been USC. I don't know. He's he's deep in the end zone. He's got one guy on him. He's absolutely blanketed and just gives him like a box out basketball elbow and just just takes it. And it's like a like this isn't like a three yard pass. This is like twenty five yard pass and just it's it's his ball. Like and that's for me what is the difference. Like do that again. Do that again. Yeah, just takes okay. it just to, like it's his ball <laughs> and like he gets out there in the open field like double coverage like there are there are multiple times where the ball just comes in and he just he sucks it up zone. and he gets hit and he's just got it like there's just no doubt like and i remember watching him live this year even just watching him live i'm like that guy is an absolute superstar like nobody can stop him and like he's two inches shorter than gronk he's a little lighter but on film, he just looks like Gronk. Like, there's just something about the way he carries himself, the way he's built. This dude's big. Um, I think Gronk ran a four six nine forty. He ran a four seven. 
Um, so he's got the speed to be effective. He can find spots and zones. Like he knows where to sit down and get the ball. Like just a smart player, absolute one-on-one nightmare. Like I feel like that's the thing that sets him apart from all these other guys is like, I don't know of many players in the NFL that, that are matched up with Michael Mayer that have an advantage. And that's for me, what puts him at number one. And if you add that guy to the Bengals, I feel like he's way more of a threat and more of a wrinkle to that offense than Kincaid is at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just say, cause everything I'm about to say kind of goes along with this, but my pro comp for Michael Mayer. And I think this is the most perfect comp out of any of these guys. Okay. Jason Witten. To me, everything that I saw about him was Jason Witten. So that that's good and bad. Jason Witten did very, very little wrong. He was always just the tried and true guy, obviously a Hall of Famer. So if he ends up being Jason Witten, that's just awesome. But to me, like, okay, Corey, to your point, did you know his team named him Baby Gronk? Yeah, I, that, I, was, that was his, I, okay. Now that you say it, I remember this, yes. Yeah, that was his nickname from the team. But he got offers from Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Texas, and chose to go to Notre Dame for God knows what reason. Um, we're not going to knock him from Indiana, you know, represent. But um, you just think about what he could have done with one of those teams, a little bit more high-powered uh, teams than Notre Dame that – they were supposed to be really good didn't end up, you know, with the coaching change and all that didn't end up being as good as they should be. But, um, he's got the production 1650 yards the last two years, eight touchdowns a piece, um, is his average. And, uh, the thing that I, the only thing I didn't like, and I know Corey, you said that he, he ran a four, seven speed at the combine was there on game film. For whatever reason, it was Jason Witten to me. He catches a ball and then doesn't really like so with George Kittle, he could take a slant to the house. I feel like Michael Mayer is never gonna do that. I, I don't know that his top end speed was as exciting as like Dalton Kincaid's was, but it's it's more like Gronk. Like Gronk wasn't one to take a, a well, slant. Well Gronk's taken a well Gronk's Gronk's taken a few like Gronk. you know short yardage situations and turned them into 40, 50 yarders. Gronk I, does it Michael with his Mayer, body. Gronk Gronk does yeah. it with yeah. his body. Yeah. Sure. And Michael yeah. Mayer can do it with his body also because he's got really good body control and he's a you know he's six four, two fifty. I mean prototype great size. But to me it was like he catches the ball and then that's it. It was, I know he can do more and showed more on tape, but I just felt like when I'm watching him, it was like, yeah, he did a bunch of great things to get open. Like what you're talking about, Corey, knowing when to stop in routes, knowing when to sit down, knowing when to be his security, the quarterback security blanket. And then when he catches the ball, I feel like at the next level, he's going to be catching the ball and then do the patented Jason Witten butt slide. So, so I know what you mean, and I don't know. It could depend where he goes and what kind of offense he's in, but I felt like he was sitting down on coverage a lot. Like, if you're sitting back in a zone coverage, you've got two guys right behind you. So as soon as you catch that ball, they're on you, they're touching you as you fall to the ground. Sure. So I don't know, like, you know, at the next level, if somebody can get him going across the field and get him out in open space, who knows? But I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it just seemed like a lot more of an effort to get up to speed 
than a lot of these guys that I'm looking at. Like That's fair. he can, he can do it, but it's like that, that initial, like, you know, we're obviously talking about a 40 yard dash, whatever it was. The, it was the 15 to 10 to 15 yard range that I'm, I was more focused on like after the catch, like say you didn't catch it on the run. It was the catch. And then what he, what does he do with it? Then it wasn't very exciting to me. That, yeah, that was it. And I think, you know, that's, that's a reasonable argument. I th- but my problem is with, you know, there's only a few tight ends in the league that are absolute weapons. And you're talking about Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, the other 90% of the guys, you're just looking for a guy that can do the job. You know, can right. he block, can he run his route properly? And can he be there if we need him to be there? And I feel like Michael Mayer accomplishes that NFL job better than anybody here. Yeah. He may not be the, you know, playmaker that Dalton Kincaid is, but from an NFL standpoint and what you want a tight end to do, there's, there's nobody that does it better than Michael Mayer and absolutely Dalton Kincaid's much more exciting. And, you know, he might be able to bring more to your offense, but um, for me, it's just the well-roundedness, like he, you know, there's a chance Michael Mayer could fail. He could get to the NFL and get hit, hit in the mouth once and never be good. But uh, for just he, he what, seems pretty fail proof. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like for what you like, what a 90% of the teams want their tight end to do. Michael Mayer checks all the boxes for me. And that's why he's my number one. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the complete opposite way of what I'm about to say. But I think if a team drafts him, this is a guy that might take one and a half, two solid years to become the guy that everyone wants him to be, you know, cause we, we see it a lot with tight end tight ends, the hardest position to learn for an NFL player. And uh, look at, look at last year, Trey McBride, remember how dominant he was in college. He foolproof. Everyone's consensus one one He did nothing, nothing. People forget he's in the NFL. I'm not going to say that that's going to happen with Michael Mayer, but I could see with a guy that's not like a, oh my God, like with Dalton Kincaid, I'm not again saying he's that much better than Michael Mayer, but because it was really close. But like if a guy like Dalton Kincaid's on the roster, like, man, why haven't we just turned that guy loose yet? Let's get him on some go routes and like, let's just get this sparked. But with Michael Mayer, it's like, yeah, let's teach him all the, let's lay the groundwork because he's good at everything and let's use him as a blocker. And then, We'll use him as a safety blanket, that sort of thing. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes a year or so for Michael Mayer to, to start flashing and for everyone to remember his name and remember how good he is. And that's where yeah. I want to caution us on the pundancy. I mean, uh, that's where I think the line becomes blurred. What we're doing today is a practice where we rank our favorite now six tight ends. And I think we've done that well. I don't think it's fair for us to speculate any farther than our favorite six until we know where they land. Because quite frankly, like you said, if, if let me ask you, Daniel, if Mayer lands in Cincinnati and Kincaid lands in, um, let me think. Dallas. Vegas, Vegas. Vegas. Something like that. Okay, Vegas. Which one do you prefer at that point? Michael Mayer. See? So let's wait. The, the, the purpose of this exercise is valid. We've, ranked, we've listed out our favorite tight ends. Now, we're going to have another show, right? We're going to have some post-draft reactions. We're going to talk about these tight ends. We're going to talk about some fantasy implications. I'm chomping at the bit with fantasy football. We're in the Huddle Up Dynasty League, and my team's been trash. They've been horrible. I'm in full-blown rebuild mode. I've got three second-round picks this year, 
and I'm staring down the barrel of four first round picks next year. Like Daniel, you and I talked when we first met. The, one of the first conversations we ever had was about Jerry Judy. And then it turned into, hey, when I'm playing fantasy football, I'm trading away my fucking picks. I want to win today. I'm trading them all away. And you, you, I remember you said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not long term. I've come around. I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited to live this part of dynasty. If you if you live that way, you're never going to be able to luck into like the Justin Jeffersons and the Garrett Wilsons and stuff. Because after they break out, it's going to cost you multiple firsts, you know, to get them. I'm looking at all these so. tight ends with all my second round picks and I'm licking my chops because one of these tight ends is going to be available to me in a second round of a dynasty and dynasty. Rookie for draft. sure. And a I, one, yeah, and a, a non tight end premium. I can't yeah. wait for it. We're going to talk about their landing spots. We're going to talk about their expected production. I don't want to get too far into pundancy with that today because we're missing too much information, but I think we've done well. I think we've laid out six good tight ends and really we don't have that many differences. I'm shocked. If you guys remember last year, there were fucking names on here. Like each of you had one name that the other person had at like 15. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. Like, <laughs> like we were way far apart a year ago. This year? Well, we're getting into the bread and butter of these positions, though, too. The we're, running backs and receivers are. These, these lists are we'll, about we'll to get see. nasty. They're about yeah, to get we'll nasty. See. <laughs> me, and da- me and Daniel on our running backs, we can, we can be, even the wide receivers, we can be a little, a little different. Flip-flop. Yep. Well, I think we've accomplished our mission, guys. Do you have anything else for this tight end rankings that you want to go over? I was going to say the NFL will tell us exactly how they feel about these tight ends because they should be going early, like I said. So if any of these guys are available in like the late third round and go into the fourth, that that kind of tells us that they don't they don't see they don't see what we're seeing. Fair enough, Corey. No, I'm excited for the draft. We're so close, guys. We're so close. Too close. Who's going to say it? There you have it. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle Up. Team on three. One, two, three. Three.